Today's episode of First Look ETF is brought to you by the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. To hear from experts across the ETF market, visit homeofetfs.com. NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors. Hello and welcome to our March edition of First Look ETF. I'm Stephanie Stanton with ETF Guide. It is great to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we will examine a new ETF designed to combat the threat of higher inflation. Plus, another fund that taps into the fast-growing market of non-fungible tokens, also called NFTs. And finally, we will examine a pair of new ETFs built to diversify your real estate exposure. But first, before we move on, let's get a quick recap of the newest ETF launches on the New York Stock Exchange. And joining us, as always, is Douglas Jonas. Hi, Douglas. It's good to see you. Uh, you're coming to us from a little bit of a different space. Tell us where you are. Yeah, I'm still here at the New York Stock Exchange, Stephanie. I just I'm in the historic library. A lot of people haven't uh, realized that we have a library here. Uh, it's been active for many, many years as we're 229 years old. Uh, but with the volatility and everything going on right now in the markets and on the floor, it was an easier and quieter place to be reporting today. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's start out with the latest numbers. What are we looking like? Give us the 411. Yeah, last month, you know, was a continuation of the year. We had 45 new ETFs launched last month for the industry. Uh, that's 82 ETFs year to date. Who's counting? And the cash flow remains there. I mean, given all the geopolitical uncertainty, given the volatility in the markets, uh, you would think that that maybe ETFs would slow down, but they really don't. Uh, that you know, the, as we've seen, ETFs remain the vehicle of, of investor choice for numerous reasons, uh, and you know the cash flow continues to come in alongside growth. and And I think today's show represents that the amount of very unique, interesting greenfield ETFs that just haven't been seen before in the marketplace continue to be launched. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you talked about this. There is a lot of volatility in the market right now. Are there any other ETF trends that you're seeing pop up? Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting year. As I mentioned, the growth continues to be there. Last month, we brought in $1.5 billion into the ETF industry, and the ETF industry continues to get closer and closer to that $7 trillion number, which is just absolutely amazing. Some of the trends remain, to, you know, uh, new and interesting and innovative ETFs. You're going to hear about them on today's episode. By, by and large, that's the number one trend. Second trend remains, remains active, uh, the growth of active ETFs. We're still running about half of all ETFs launched this year in the United States are actively managed. And we continue to see it with the New York Stock Exchange's solution. We've got over $3 billion invested now in the New York Stock Exchange's solution where an active managed 
manager doesn't have to show their holdings every day. So uh, for me, it's all about just opportunity and growth. We continue to see that here at the New York Stock Exchange. We continue to see that with the world of ETFs. All right, Douglas, thanks so much. It's always great to see you. Thanks for having me. Before we move on, just a quick reminder that we simulcast First Look ETF on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, and other major podcasting platforms, so be sure to check it out. The blockchain technology behind NFTs or non-fungible tokens could eventually eclipse the size of the cryptocurrency trading market. This is at least what some industry leaders are saying. Well, here to discuss a new ETF that targets the fast-moving NFT arena is Sylvia Jablonski, Chief Investment Officer at Defiance ETFs. Sylvia, it is so great to have you with us. Hi, great to be here with you today. All right, your newly added fund is called the Defiance Digital Revolution ETF, ticker symbol NFTZ. And before we dive into the details on that, let's first talk about this fast-moving market that is ETF linked to. What are NFTs and how do they work? Sure, a great question. So NFTs, I, th I think right now a lot of people sort of know what they are, but they stand for non-fungible tokens. They're a digital asset that re represents a physical good and um, they are stored on a blockchain. So for example, you can have an NFT, which represents a, um, a record, a song, uh, a piece of art, a, a baseball, you know, a baseball player's greatest move, um, a, a ball that he hit out of the park. It could represent the Beeple, which is, you know, close to a $70 million sale of a painting. Um, it can re represent codes for video games, um, entry codes to concerts, happy hours, and, you know, further, further along when we kind of get there with Web 3.0 and the metaverse, NFTs will represent ownership in things like um, housing, hotel investment opportunities, land, and essentially all smart, all sorts of things. So it, it's really the new social currency of the future. Yeah. And someone once described it to me as sort of like a digital baseball card, just just a way to explain uh, NFTs to the layman. Yeah. And I think, you know, there it's a it's a really cool type of advancement in the cryptocurrency world and, and infrastructure, because what it does and, and what it sort of provides that is different than other investments is this circular economy where the investor and the creator get to participate in the future of the product. So, you know, whereas if you buy a stock in, in the market, you do well financially if the stock price goes up and you, you know, you sell, you recognize your gain, but you don't really have a say in whether or not, like, let's say it's, you know, Apple or, or Google or Samsung, you know, we, we can kind of make one up, but you don't have a say in what their next product is going to be. You're an investor in the firm and your participation is simply price participation and maybe dividends. With NFTs, you actually can participate. It's more than owning the nifty. You can participate in, you know, the future of what happens with that art, you know, how it's used, different sorts of, um, you know, aspects of, of like fun codes that give you access to the art artist himself or, um, you know, again, an, an art exhibition or an event and things like that. So you can kind of create these smart contracts within the NFT um, that dictate the future path of it, which is very unlike any other type of investment. So I think if you think about the next generation of investors, um, particularly, you know, millennial, younger, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and people who are sort of interest in technology, we want to be part of something that's that's bigger than just the market and sort of the middleman. And the NFT creates this peer-to-peer -peer, uh, relationship where, you know, you really get to participate in the future of digital assets, DeFi, um, and whatever sort of the underlying theme of that product is. 
And the global NFT market is still in its infancy. It's still emerging. Um, tell us about some of the companies that you are focused on. Sure. So um, geographically, we we have names that are listed all around the world, essentially. But the types of companies are essentially companies that are, you know, sort of heavily invested in the NFT space. They have commercial operation uh, commercial operations um, will generate or do generate current revenues from NFT products. They're investing in NFT infrastructure. So companies like you know DraftKings, for example, where they partnered with uh, Polygon to create this NFT marketplace. Coinbase is going to have an NFT marketplace. Um, something that represents art that you might be familiar with is a company called Funko. They have these, um, you know, cool real life figurines that that people are sort of very um, interested in, and now they're going to have digital asset versions of that. Playboy NFTs of the various, you know, covers and and you know perhaps other things in the future. There, um, Atari. They have um, a big amount of land in Decentraland. They're going to be essentially real estate owners and brokers there. Um, they'll have NFTs that relate to Atari, Atari games, things like that, but also potentially represent land ownership in Decentraland. So, you know, it ranges from everything from banks that allow you to buy and sell them, exchanges that allow you to buy, sell, create, trade them to the actual pieces of art. And what's super cool about this is if you just kind of, you know, Google NFT and like where the biggest impacts are, you, you just see so many interesting things happening. So for example, you know, there are virtual um, NFTs that that Gucci has, which sell uh, of handbags, which sell for more than the actual handbag itself in the physical world. So someone is so attracted to that um, NFT and they would like their avatar to carry that bag. And there's a huge, you know, value in that. And it's an artistic relationship between Gucci and the investor. So that's just one example, but, um, you know, it's, it's really, you know, broad based, um, global, global coverage because it's just absolutely exploding worldwide. And yeah, these companies are, are at the forefront of, of NFT technology. So on that note, how do you see investors and financial planners using an ETF like NFTZ in the overall investment strategy? Yeah, great question. I would say that NFTs are what crypto was about 10 years ago. So they're very much in their infancy, although they're absolutely exploding. Um, we're seeing, you know, billions of dollars of transactions changing hands already on uh, platforms like Rarible and OpenSea, just, you know, kind of out of the gates. And I think that if RIAs and institutional wealth managers believe in, you know, DeFi, cryptocurrency, Web 3.0, sort of the future of technology, then this is just another, um, you know, egg to put in that basket. And I think that they fit really well in the thematic sleeve of a portfolio. So I, you know, if, if you sort of asked that question a couple of years ago, that would probably be a really small allocation, like 5% or so. But now, you know, you see this, this massive shift where a lot of the wealth is trickling down from baby boom to the younger generations and advisors are sort of being forced to express what those investors would like to see in the future and believe will grow in the future. And so that is the thematic sleeve. And, and I think that that is now, you know, a 10 to 20% weighting in a lot of portfolios. So I think it fits there. It fits alongside cryptocurrencies. It fits alongside that alternative non-correlated asset class. And uh, it's just a really great opportunity to get in from a new asset class and, and start from the ground up as it grows. All right, Sylvia, thank you so much for joining us, telling us all about this fast-moving marketplace. We appreciate your time today. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
The consumer price index is at 40-year highs, signaling that inflation is on a major upswing. Rising home prices, higher food costs, and gasoline prices are hitting all of us in the wallet. Well, how can investors hedge their portfolios against inflation? We are pleased now to have Spencer Logan, a director and investment specialist at Harbor Capital Advisors, to break it all down for us. Hi, Spencer. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you. It's great to be back here with you. Let's first start out what investors need to know about inflation. Break it down for us. Yeah, uh, the now famous Powell pivot uh, that took place at the end of November was a seminal moment for the broader markets. It really marked the beginning of the end of the unprecedented monetary relief enacted in response to COVID-19. There are multiple drivers of inflation, Stephanie. Some are cyclical, others are structural, really driven by growth in things such as money supply, wage growth, supply chain constraints, surge in demand for goods, and chronic underinvestment in commodities, they really come together to create the environment we find ourselves in today. So higher prices have been triggered across nearly all goods and services, putting an end to the benign inflation that's been in place for more than a decade. What that'll do, really, it's gonna drive investors to seek greater exposure to commodities for their inflation hedging capabilities. Increased demand will drive up commodity prices even further as we've experienced and continue to witness. Increasing commodity prices are going to lead to an increase in inflation. And what that does, of course, as we have been talking about, uh, prompts the central bank to tighten monetary policy. And that really increases real interest rates and subsequently should, in theory, reduce inflation. Uh, so in effect, we really now find ourselves in need of more thoughtful approaches to hedging against inflation, which is incredibly detrimental to, uh, to portfolios of investors. Yeah, I mean, it certainly does sort of feel like the perfect storm these days. Now, the Harbor All-Weather Inflation Focus ETF, that's H-G-E-R, also called Hedger. That's the latest addition to your ETF roster. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, timing is uh, timing is everything. And, you know, I think you can see just briefly that Harbor really has a long track record of bringing best of breed solutions to the marketplace and currently Investors are seeking an innovative way to protect their portfolio against inflation risk. So as a way to bring a compelling solution to the market, we partnered with Quantex Commodities, which is a specialized commodities boutique that has assembled a team of pioneers in the commodity space. Uh, the team worked for more than 20 years together at one of the most preeminent commodities trading houses in the world. And what they did there is develop innovative ways to provide solutions for clients that improved upon the traditional commodities benchmarks that are available. And that's exactly what they continue to do with us today and what we've created with Hedger. And so investors really have several, uh, I'm gonna say several asset class options for hedging against inflation risk. You might think of things like treasury inflation protected securities, better known as TIPS, REITs, energy, materials, equities, physical commodities, and then of course, what we're talking about today in commodity futures. And our research has shown that commodities futures provide the highest sensitivity to inflation relative to these other asset classes, and also don't suffer from some of the other risks embedded in those other asset classes that are, com that are commonly used as inflation hedges. So for example, in 2021, 
Treasury inflation protected securities saw significant inflows from investors looking to protect their portfolios from the threat of inflation, but found themselves experiencing negative real returns, whereas commodities realized record returns. Lastly, while many of the legacy broad-based commodities indices are sought after as inflation protection, they were not designed specifically for that purpose, as they're really weighted on commodity production levels. The Harbor All-Weather Inflation Focus ETF is weighted to those commodities futures, which display the greatest sensitivity to inflationary drivers, which lead to inflation protection when investors need it the most. So then on that note, Spencer, you know, obviously we have a lot going on. Given what we're seeing in the market, how would you see investors and financial advisors utilizing Hedger as part of an overall portfolio? I'm glad you brought that up because it's not just about inflation protection with Hedger, as it provides additional benefits in a more benign inflationary environment, which eventually we will get back to at some point in time in the future. Commodities futures and Hedger in particular can provide a diversification benefit for client portfolios. Historically, commodities have demonstrated low levels of correlation relative to other asset classes like equities and fixed income. And where this benefit really comes through is during periods where equities and fixed income exhibit positive correlations, like today where equities and bonds have been under pressure and commodities continue to march higher. It's during these times when investors need diversification the most and Hedger is there to deliver it. So as we continue to experience the fallout effects from the pandemic with supply chain disruption, tight labor markets and geopolitical instability, we're confident that Hedger can deliver the results investors need now and also for the future. Spencer Logan, thank you so much for joining us here on First Look ETF, especially now during all of these market uncertainties. Historically speaking, investors have flocked to real estate for its steady dividend income. Well, a pair of new ETFs from Kelly Intelligence are targeted to residential real estate and the travel industry. And we are very pleased now to have Kevin Kelly, the founder of Kelly Intelligence, to discuss these ETFs. Kevin, it is great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. All right. So the newly launched Kelly ETFs each cover different segments of the real estate market. You have one uh, that covers apartments, ticker symbol R-E-S-I or Resi. Let's talk a little bit about that first. Yeah. So what you're actually seeing in the single family rental market, the apartment market, really the overall uh, residential real estate market is really strong demand as well as a lack of supply. So that's leading to a lot of pricing power for these companies. And what's nice about these companies is that they have really great buildings and residences in class A uh, buildings in great high barrier to entry markets. And so they really have great inventory is what it's called in, in the real estate space. But what you're also seeing is you're seeing this demand and demographics is really dictating long-term growth going forward. And that's because we really underbuilt over the past 10 years in the housing market. And so that's leading to a lot of the demand. And if we take a step back and look at the US market, there are about 43 million households that rent. And so when you look at just the demand from 43 million households, they're wanting 
newer properties. They're wanting better amenities. And so these management teams really focus on their niche. They're not broad based, right? So they really are able to add a lot of value for their residences. And so that's why we think RESI is a great opportunity to look at a strategy that has such strong inflationary pricing power to it because rents last year were up 10% alone in the apartment sector. And we we're seeing a really strong spring season now. And so what's really nice about these companies is that they've got great balance sheets, they've got great demand, and the leases are short. And so they can increase their leases every year. So that's that inflationary pricing power that they're able to pass on, as well as their buildings are going up in value in an inflationary environment as well. So you have this two-pronged approach in RESI where they're able to pass on the inflationary pricing power, as well as the asset values are going up. And does RESI strictly invest in the, in the big guys, if you will, the, the major apartment owners? Yeah, that's a great question because it really invests in all of the publicly traded uh, residential REITs. And so those companies are the biggest on the planet. And they've been around for many, many years, sometimes 25 years or more. Some are some have been listed on the New York Stock Exchange for over 45 years. And so they have this consistent distribution growth that you can look at um, in history, which gives you confidence in investing in them. Because not only are they investing in their properties, they're passing on um, their earnings because they are REITs. 90% of their income has to be passed on to share shareholders. So they're a great way to generate cash flow in their in, in investors' portfolios. All right, let's shift gears to your second ETF. Um, you know, some insiders within the travel industry are predicting that 2022 could be the biggest, busiest travel season ever due to all the pent-up demand. You guys have created an ETF that focuses on the travel industry uh, and hotels. Uh, H-O-T-L is the ticker on that one. Tell us about it. Yeah. So, we think this is an unbelievable play as society goes from pandemic to endemic. And the reason being is because we've seen leisure travel has been so pent up and we're seeing unbelievable read through uh, the summer travel season. The number one listed uh, hotel company base, their CEO came out and said they've this is going to be the strongest travel season on record that they've ever seen all time. And so that's on the leisure side, which is great because if you take a step back and you think about hotels last year, I, I you know, I was looking at hotels, it, a hotel price for $150 is now $300, right? So that goes also back to pricing power in an inflationary environment amongst strong demand. But what, what's really the kicker here and why you want to look at the hotel HOTL uh, strategy is because we're going to start to see businesses and small groups do a lot more bookings. And so we are really excited about that as the next catalyst of demand for uh, the companies. And, and I think it's really important to note that we are seeing overnight stays, but they're fewer and far between. People are staying at places longer. And so if you look at a company like Airbnb, they actually saw their stays increase 15%. Their fastest growing segment is stays of 28 days and longer. So that just shows you that this shift from 
uh, you know, working from home to remote work is here to stay and employees actually want to stay, uh, you know, in different places. So we're seeing that nights booked are actually longer. It's about 15%. And we're almost at, at the, the uh, pre pandemic bookings already. We're about, we're, we're just about 15 to 20% below where we were. So with the giant catalyst of leisure demand behind us, you know, as a tailwind and then companies booking, we think this is a great strategy to look at to play the travel and tourism space. All right. We're going to have to leave it there, Kevin. It was so great having you join us here on First Look ETF. Take care. Thank you. Well, that does it for this edition of First Look ETF. A big thanks to all of our guests, including Douglas Jonas with the New York Stock Exchange. Be sure to check out homeofetfs.com for more information. Also, don't forget to check us out on all of the major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. I'm Stephanie Stanton with ETF Guide. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Today's episode of First Look ETF is brought to you by the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. To hear from experts across the ETF market, visit homeofetfs.com. NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors.